This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Houston Astros winning the series two games to one. It is their first series win since June 26th. They are still currently in last place with an even 500 record, three games back from the final wildcard spot. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew? What's going on? Promise to be a little more attentive than uh, uh, Jim Wolf today that was calling the Red Sox game. I don't know if you caught that with the four strikes to Jordan Alvarez, which if anyone doesn't need an extra gift strike, that's him. <laughs> so were they all balls? No, it would. He legitimately got four strikes. It was a called strike, a foul ball, another called strike. No one knew, and then he struck out swinging. So he got four strikes on the end. Oh, the end. four yeah. legitimate yeah. strikes. Luckily, you know, didn't mean anything at the end. But yeah, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. <laughs> yeah definitely not uh also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of newport rhode island joe goddard joe how we doing gentlemen doing good spirits are up a little bit compared to the weekend series i forgot uh who did we even play over the weekend all those beatdowns. I don't know. We lost. Yeah. All those beatdowns just run together. But uh, of all teams, we beat the Astros. So we win the the season series. So what was that? Uh, four games to two, I think. Um, not the series I thought we would end up winning. I picked the Red Sox to lose every single game. Uh, I was in a piss poor mood, though, with the all the trade rumors and such. But... Uh, so good that we kind of get off on the right foot. We're going to have four games against the Royals. So that's uh, another kind of get right series for us. We'll be getting into those matchups uh, in the final segment. But 
We'll uh, get right into studs and duds. Job, I put you in the leadoff spot tonight. So who was your stud for the Astro series? My stud is still on the Red Sox, which is a shocker. And it's going to be Nate Evaldi. Um, Nate went, and I'm going to pull up the exact numbers now. Uh, it would have been better if we didn't boot the ball around in the third inning. Um, but his exact line is six and, a half, uh, six and a third, four hits, two runs. None of those are earned, obviously, because they they kicked the ball around a couple of times. I believe error to Bogarts and error to Arroyo uh, in that inning, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. He did strike out six. He looked really, really sharp. Uh, did not have his best velocity. Topped out around 95. Usually he sits at 95. Uh, but it was exactly what we needed, especially after him getting roughed up the last couple of innings. And the fact that he's still on the team, though it shocks some people, uh, I think this outing might spell good things for the Sox down the stretch. Andrew? Yeah, if you had to look up the definition of maximum effort, I'm pretty sure that outing would be right up there with it. He was grunting more than Serena Williams during a tennis match. I like it, it was ridiculous how much effort he was putting in just to top out at 94. And I don't know how, quite frankly, he got away with it against Houston. I, you know, if there's anyone you can't really be slipping up with, it's them. And he was going off speed. He was throwing, you know, more junk stuff, and they just weren't hitting it. So we'll see how he looks in Kansas City. Hopefully. You know, he said it was a mechanical thing that led to the downtick in his velocity. I think some people were surprised he made the start. I thought they kind of needed him to make the start, even if they were looking to trade him just to prove that he, you know, was showing the velo. Maybe that was one of the reasons that they didn't get the quote-unquote offer for the moon for him. But a win's a win, and let's just hope he builds on uh, that and his velo next outing. He actually retired 10 batters in a row until uh, getting into uh, the, I think it was the seventh inning. Yeah, he got retired 10 in a row, got one out in the seventh inning, and then finally um, gave up a single to Martin Maldonado, of all people. And uh, then Cora came in and uh, took him out. Um, are we sure he's healthy? Like, you know, we're talking about the grunting, the velocity being down a little bit. He missed all that time with, I thought it started as a hip injury, but then it became more of a back issue. So, I mean, are we concerned here, you know, in the in this final stretch? I'm not concerned. Um because I think everyone on this team is beat up. Everyone in the entire league is beat up at this point in the year. So I don't worry too, too much about his velocity as long as he's got command. Um, it is possible they give him, you know, an extra day's rest here or there, especially with the schedule we've got coming up. I think he's next scheduled to start six days from now, actually. So he actually is getting uh, a little bit of extra rest with the off day. Uh, but I could be wrong. They could be moving things around. That might help. Yeah, I think he's definitely still feeling some lingering effects. I mean, he's not young, but they need him to go right now, and he's really got no choice. He's also pitching for contracts, so I'm sure given you know, two and two together that 
it's in both parties' best interest for him to go out there and kind of just gut it out. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the rotation real quick, uh, we've we're going to talk about another pitcher here who's been impressive uh, in a second. You got Nathan Avaldi. Michael Waka is going to throw a rehab start, I think, with Worcester sometime in the next few days. He's expected to be activated after that. Hopefully, we can get a good run of health from him, and and his stuff is similar to what it has been. He had that complete game against the uh, Anaheim Angels and just was never quite the same after that. So hopefully with uh, all this rest, they can get him ramped up and, and pitching effectively. And then you got Nick Pavetta, who you just, like I said a couple shows ago, he's six to eight weeks on, six to eight weeks off. And that's been the story of his career if he can get that turned around, if we can get the Nick Pavetta from May and June, I think we're in good shape for a wild card run here. But um, Evaldi looked pretty good. He had six strikeouts, which is on par for him in a typical start, despite the the lack of velocity. So if anything's really encouraging, it's that he is – getting these guys to fan. And like I said, he did settle down and it was three up three down in the fourth, fifth and sixth innings. Just nobody got on base uh, after the third until that final at bat there with Maldonado. But I just hope this rotation has enough gas going forward. And Bayo, I hope they have enough bodies. Well, that's what I was getting at. Uh, Bayo out uh, for, at least a few days with a with a groin strain, uh, and then uh, I still don't know what to make of Winkowski, but uh, the strikeouts have waned, and I think I saw on Red Sox stats he's not getting the swings and misses. So um, Kansas City probably a good a good matchup for him. I mean, there's nobody really overpowering in that lineup outside of maybe. Um, Bobby the ghost Witt. of Salvi Perez. Yeah, Salvi Perez, yeah, and I was going to say Bobby Witt. Uh, Merrifield went to the uh, Blue Jays, so we don't have to worry about him. Benintendi's not there, uh, who is apparently one for 20 in New York, as we were saying on the pre-show. Uh, so <laughs> not a good start for him in the Bronx, but but yeah, so we'll, we'll see how they do, I guess, uh, in this next series. Andrew, your stud for the series. Mine's been our most consistent pitcher as of late. And that is Cutter Crawford. Since coming up back in mid-June, uh, shout out Mike Monaco on here. He's got 2.72 ERA, 43 innings pitch, 42 Ks, only nine walks. Um, he's throwing more strikes than before. His fastball usage is down and his cutter usage has gone, you know, it's up by 50% and also his curveball usage as well. So he's a completely different guy than what we saw at the beginning of the season. He, I didn't think he could be a six, seven inning guy. And he's gone out and shown that he can throw throw a hundred pitches in an outing and kind of maintain that stuff throughout. I was getting a little nervous when I think they brought him back out with about 89 pitches uh, the other night, but he didn't falter and he got the job done and he's turned into quietly one of the more more consistent guys now i don't know if this trend continues i mean he's a rookie so he's gonna have his ups and downs but he gets kansas city next time out to close out the series um 
so you can just hope that he just falls into these kind of matchups. And if he does, he's going to give you a shot every night. Job. It's hard to overstate how important Cutter Crawford is, has become to this team. If Cutter Crawford comes up and sucks the way that he had in Detroit when he was in relief before he got sent down and looked a lot more like, uh, for example, what Brian Bayo looks like now, overmatched. It would be really, really hard to watch the Red Sox right now, five days a week instead of just four. And that is, I'm super thankful for Cutter Crawford. He's been very good with control. He doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he hasn't needed it. And his strikeout numbers are down, uh, but I think that's by design. They, they want him to pitch to contact because he gets the ball down and he avoids throwing too many pitches and getting tired in the fourth inning by doing so. Um, Crawford is the ace of the staff right now. If you, if you're looking at early July until the present, I mean, he's just quietly eating up innings, getting guys out. Like you guys have said, and I can't see him barring a, you know, falling off a cliff and, and getting knocked around. I can't see him losing a spot in this rotation for the rest of the year. If we get in the playoffs, he's going to be starting playoff games for us. Well, no, he, he won't because we won't start more than one playoff game and you're going to give the ball to Nate Baldy. But Well, no, you get it's two out of three. He still, he still probably won't start, but I, I get your point. Um, he has been the best pitcher on the staff as far as consistency goes. He's also been the best pitcher on the staff as far as pure stuff. Like I said, ace of the ace of the staff, but I I disagree though. I, I think he probably will. I mean, Evaldi's going to be your game one starter, bar unless we need him desperately in game one sixty one or game sixty two, because uh, it's probably going to be a dogfight. Let's face it, uh, for the last wild card spot, maybe even the last couple. We might even have ties if you remember how insane last year was, but. But, I mean, who who else are we going to trust going down the stretch? I mean, I guess Paxton could come up and, and be a force. He's about ready to make a rehab start himself. So, it's just it's tough to know what you're going to get out of the rest of the staff outside of Evaldi and Crawford. It's tough to know what you're getting out of anyone on this roster outside of a few key people, uh, not just in the pitching department. What are you getting out of anyone in the lineup? It's, it's tough to tell outside of Rafi Devers what, what you're going to get from anybody, one through nine as well. So that's really been the major issue with the Sox so far this year. We desperately need, uh, you know, Kike and Story back, but, you know, both those guys are kind of in limbo right now. Uh, Andrew, any more thoughts on starting pitching? No, I think it just kind of goes as the day goes and just got to wait and see when it comes to health, who's coming back. Hopefully Waka gets back here soon. And I know Paxton was about – he was scheduled to start facing some live hitters. So uh, any news is good news when it comes to him at this point. Yeah, I, I think he – I thought I saw that Paxton could do a, a rehab start at some point next week, if I'm not mistaken. 
wouldn't surprise me. I mean, this was kind of the date that they were targeting. They said second week of uh, August, so they put him right on track. Right. I believe they scheduled him for August 10th was the day they wanted to start him on, on the rehab. That would be exactly a week from today. So hopefully he'll be back in the big league level in two weeks. That would be huge for this team, even if he is in the bullpen. My stud for the series, I'm going with Tanner Houck. He closed out both of the games that the Red Sox won. Um, had some hard contact, but um, still, you know, an outs and out. Um, he, he's been pretty good his last couple of times out. And, and for much of July, well, I shouldn't say much of July, but at least a few outings he he had to go more than just an inning and I go back and forth on who I really want in the ninth do I like Whitlock more in that role or or do I want Hauk and there's just something about Tanner Hauk and and his ability to handle the moment and not rattle and stay composed for some reason I, I just like him in the ninth inning a little bit more than Whitlock and I, I think I think that's his role. I think that's going to be his role for the rest of his tenure. I think he likes that role. I think he's kind of grown into it. And he's also going to be a big part of, of a wild card run if we can start stringing, uh, you know, some some wins along the way and hopefully some series wins against the division here. That would be ideal. If if we can start winning games in the division, we will make the wild card. The problem is the other teams in the division are superior to us. And that now includes the Baltimore Orioles, I think. Both in the lineup and in the pitching staff. It's it's gonna be a close race. We have a lot of ground to catch up, not a lot of time to do it. The good news is we do still have a lot of games in division, so it is possible that that we catch Baltimore and pass them pretty soon. We have one game against them next week. And uh, then we have a stretch of games, Toronto, New York. Uh, I believe we have Tampa in the next couple of weeks as well. We, we can make a run at this thing. We cannot do it if we don't win in the division. Andrew, thoughts on Hauk? Yeah, you know, I think Hauk is – in that closer spot by default. I don't think Whitlock will take it because, you know, you might have to bring him in the fifth and the sixth to throw two innings. And I think, I just think Whitlock's value is being that multi-inning guy that gets into the bridge of Schreiber and Hauk. So I don't foresee how getting bumped from that spot. He's handled it pretty well. Would like to see him miss a few more bats, but uh, yeah, so far so good. Uh, he only had that one, kind of blow up in New York that was a little self-inflicted that they managed to pull out. But um, yeah, I think as he gains more experience, he's going to look more comfortable. And when he gets more comfortable, we'll see better results. I think so too. Um, We'll get into honorable mentions now uh, for the stud side. Jaron Duran, only two for 12. That doesn't look great on paper, but he did drive in. Uh, all three runs in game one, uh, just missed a home run. And then the, uh, the next hit was a home run. So you don't win that game without him. 
I still think I know he had that horrific blunder by losing the ball in the lights, but aside from that, he seems to be getting more and more comfortable uh, in the outfield, you know, tracking the ball and making routine plays finally look routine. You know, he's not doing that little nervous dance uh, when the ball comes off the bat. So um, good game for him. He did go 0 for 4 uh, in the next two games, though. Uh, also, I think it's worth mentioning uh, Tommy Pham. Uh, he, he was two for eight on the series and uh, got a single in game two and then was driven in by Rafi Devers, who hit a ball down the right field line. Pham went from first to home and uh, showed a little bit of hustle. Not in, totally in love with the defense. <laughs> like I think there was... Uh, there was at least one kind of shallow pop fly. I, I think Verdugo definitely gets to, but uh, Fam couldn't come up with it. But uh, and then Devers comes back, hits a home run, uh, his first game. So, any thoughts on any of those three? Well, they pulled Fam defensively in Game Three, late for Jackie Bradley. So clearly, Cora agrees with you, Terry. That. That Fam's defense is not the best. But I, I actually thought his first to home was a testament to two things. One, great hustle by Fam. He doesn't do that if he's on the Reds. Guaranteed he's pulling up at third because he's tired of losing games. He has some compete factor in him. The other, I really want to give a shout-out to Carlos Fables for for sending him there because a lot of third-base coaches would have held him there knowing that it's better for me. I look better if I don't get a guy thrown out at home. And I think that was a ballsy send, but uh, he, he made Febles look really good there. With a nice slide. Well, the benching of him late is kind of what we all anticipated Jackie Bradley being here for. I mean, Cora said that Bradley will be on the bench. He's your fourth outfielder now coming in for defensive purposes. Fenway will play a little bit better for fam. Um, I know the Crawford boxes are close in left field at Houston, but then you have a jet out like 70 feet. So it's not exactly the easiest left field to play. You can't just treat it like Fenway where everything's going to hit the wall. Uh, you can get, you can look pretty foolish if you, you know, misjudge something in left center out in Houston. So uh, it was a good introduction to the team. I mean, it's been a hectic you know, 24, 36, 48 hours for all parties involved. I think we saw that. Um, and, you know, Reese McGuire today looked pretty decent. Um, I'm not going to really miss seeing Ploiecki start two games in a row anymore. I mean, he had that pop-up yesterday that was oh yeah, that was horrific. And he had his little popcorn throw to second, although he did catch one guy somehow. I don't know what that <laughs> He was. did, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so far, so good. I think the team is going to be playing with more confidence now. And management flew out today. That was a, um, a note that they made. So, well, I'll be interested to see what stories we get out of that in the next few days as well. Oh, yeah. Right. And that was uh, Maldonado that he gunned down. So I'm only giving there him half. I'm only giving him half credit. You know? He doesn't get credit. Slowest guy on the team. Um, that should go to Maldonado's caught stealings. He, he gets a throw out for that one. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Okay. And um, I I didn't know if I was going to bring this up now or during the uh, series preview, but uh, we may as well do it now. So Eric Hosmer, I guess, is expected to make his debut in game one. So what's that going to do to the infield? I mean, I guess, well, I guess Arroyo becomes your second baseman at that point is what happens. I believe so. And it makes a lot of sense because Sanchez, excellent defensively, but he's like a pitcher hitting in the lineup uh, offensively. Oh, 53 at this point in the season. So Arroyo becomes your second baseman and everything else in the infield stays pretty much the same. And w- what would be the roster move, do we think? Sanchez must just be the odd man out at that point. Or could you? Well, you, I guess you don't have a, another infielder, do you? I don't, I don't think you can move Sanchez because if you have an injury, you're, uh, you're out of luck. Unless you want to put Bobby Dahlbeck at short. Um, or at second, you mean? Trouble. I, he would yeah, I mean, mostly, I mean, you know, if, if say – and I wonder if this is why Xander got the day off yesterday and, and J.D. today. Say J.D. can't can't play and all of a sudden Rafi Devers is your D.H. for a day or Xander is hurt for a couple of days. All of a sudden you need somebody on the left side of the infield. Bobby Dahlbeck is going to be that guy. Um, on the right side, you might be able to fit somebody in there and shoehorn, but at third base, Bobby Dahlbeck is your third baseman, and and he would probably also be your shortstop if you don't have Sanchez. That's a really scary thought. No, I mean, well, I mean, Bogarts will be at short, Devers at third, so Arroyo at second. Arroyo at second, but I'm just trying to. Who do you? How do you get Sanchez off the yeah. team? I don't think you can. You don't. Jalen Davis can go down. Oh, he's the odd man. Okay. Yeah, I believe it would be Jalen Davis in this. Uh, is I don't R- think. Ref Snyder still with the team, or did they put him on? He's the- not. He's on. Uh, he's on ten day. Yeah, That's all I got to say. All right. So, so the outfield uh, doesn't get messed with then. No, because McGuire took Vasquez. Yeah. Then Fam, Ref Snyder, Jalen Davis, Hosmer. Okay. Well, suddenly though, that is a a pretty formidable infield. I mean, and the Royals been hitting well lately, so. Um, you know, so Hosmer, Royal Bogarts, Devers, the, the outfield, you got fam and Verdugo. So you got two formidable hitters out there. I don't know, um, what to really expect from Reese McGuire though. He did have two hits today. I'm guessing he's going to get what three out of every five, most likely. Right. I would hope so. I mean, he's by far the better defensive catcher, even though he's a trash offensive player. He's damn near a one war guy. So, I mean, his contributions behind the plate, we just, we just got to get used to it at this point. So essentially Vasquez, his offense gets replaced by Hosmer. The first base detriment goes to catcher. You know, you got to go more classic. Right. Okay. Um, we also do have, uh, I believe we called up, we didn't call up Wong. We called up um, our other catcher from yeah, the one we Hernandez was on. He was on the travel squad. Okay. So he's, he's back. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's back in AAA. Okay, yeah. I wanted to make sure that we're not missing no, somebody. He's, 
He's just going to be on the taxi squad. And Was he ever even activated for that one game or no? I think he was. Yeah, he would I have think, to be, you would think. I think yeah. I saw that he was, and that's why he came to mind. Yeah. All right, uh, so that covers the um, the offense. Uh, also, for honorable mentions, uh, as far as pitching goes, uh, John Schreiber, uh, a very nice uh, one and two-thirds innings uh, outing. In uh, the first game, he did give up a hit and a walk, but struck out two and uh, kept them at bay. So good performance there. Uh, just going down, uh, Sawamura had a, a pretty good um, couple of outings as well. Uh, so did Brazier, but you know, he, he's going to get cracked once we start playing the division again. But uh, any thoughts on uh, the pitching? As far as honorable mentions, the bullpen was great. Um, even when taxed, and we had to go to guys like Sully Murrow, who you mentioned, um, they stepped up and performed. I did not realize until Andrew mentioned it, and maybe it was mentioned on the broadcast as well. Sully Murrow on the road is actually a very, very good player. He just can't play at home. So I maybe saw. there's a way that we can figure out how to use him only on the road. That would be ideal. Um, but he was very good in that sixth, seventh inning role. If he's that guy and not the guy that plays at Fenway every day, then all of a sudden we look very formidable. So let's hope. Yeah, his ERA at Fenway is uh, five something, and it's less than one on the road. So those are some pretty wild uh, splits. <laughs> but... Speaking of splits, he was dotting his splitter the other night. So if he could continue that, I mean, he's – actually extremely good he's got amazing stuff he just nibbles and nibbles and nibbles and it's just and then it'll just get up in the zone it's like dude you gotta just trust it because he's pumping like 98 it's the same thing with what we saw with Deakman too it's like maybe just throw the fastball that they can't hit you know at some points and yeah I don't know it's, it's a little aggravating I don't know if it's a game planning thing but if he can start looking that splitter like you did the other night Man, I mean, if there was any team that should have ate him alive, it's Houston, and they did not. Yeah. Well, when he throws the splitter for a first pitch strike, when he gets ahead of hitters, he's dominant. And it's almost like he just gets the jitters on the road. On the road, he doesn't get the jitters. And at home, he does, and he nibbles. And Andrew's right. When he doesn't throw the first pitch strike, he gets in really, really big trouble really fast. Well, uh, we're we're on the road for w at least one more series, and I think even maybe one more after that. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get over to the duds side of it. Job, who do you have? Well, I mentioned a little bit him already in, in his 053 batting average, but I'm going to go with Sanchez, and I've cut him slack, as we all have to this point because he's not a major league second baseman. He shouldn't be playing every day. It's not his fault that he's in over his head, but it's starting to put real holes in the ship. Um, the team is sinking and you can't go one for, I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm going to take a guess because it's, it's Oh 53. So one for 22 is just not, acceptable at the big league level and it's not a slump this is who he is he's never been an offensive player he's always been you know great with the glove he was a gold glover i believe in kansas city 
but even then, he made a couple of errors over the last the last couple of games, and um, I think it's time for him to go back to AAA. Go ahead, Andrew. That point fifty three batting average, Andrew Benintendi of the Yankees is actually jealous of right now. Now, Yolmer uh, Sanchez, I mean, he's what the backups, 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 backup second baseman at this point that we've had. Right. It, I don't. It, it sucks. Yeah. It, I mean, honestly, thank God it's him. I don't even know what like they would have done in this situation if they didn't sign him in the preseason. I. I don't even, I literally have no idea who they would even go to at this point. Um, it's actually kind of funny to think about. Uh, and no, it's depressing. But yeah, he's got to get out. He's made some good defensive plays. He's made a couple of boneheaded ones, but he, he turned one at second the other day where he got the lead runner. It was actually an important part of the ball game. But yeah, um, bench, bench Ilmer Sanchez is a much better player than starting Ilmer Sanchez. All, all I'm seeing from him is a good glove, and I don't think his future uh, at the big league level is going to be very long, unfortunately. But um, once Hosmer gets here, we're going to see much less of him. Hopefully, Trevor Story gets up here. He's shut down for, what was it, at least 10 to 12 days with the hairline fracture, and then it's going to... It's going to take him a little bit more time to get ramped up. So I'm thinking probably the last week of August, if we're lucky, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more setbacks though. Um, it just has this ominous feel to, to it that it, it could be a, a season ender. Well, think about what happened to Arroyo last year when he broke his hand, right? Very, very similar uh, as far as getting hit in the same place. Just wasn't the same after that. And when you can't trust your hands, you can't trust your swing. And it takes a while to get comfortable. I would be shocked if we see Trevor Story before mid-September. Oof, I hope not, but you could be right. I think we'll at least get Kike back before then. Um, he had some PRP injections in his hip, but yet to uh, make a rehab appearance. Uh, and I guess he is expected to uh, face live hitters uh this weekend so we'll see what develops with him uh andrew go ahead you're dud for the series all right buckle up it's out of left field it's chris sununu the idiot governor of new hampshire who calls weei today and he's demanding alex cora get fired like are you kidding me that's the stupidest fucking take i've ever heard sorry for swearing but like swear jar He's, he's going on about how, like, they lack morale and fire because of Alex Cora and management. And, like, I'm sorry. He, firing Alex Cora to bring in what's-his-name? Uh, who's, who's the bench manager? Oh, uh, Will It's not Venable. even Venable anymore. Will is Venable? it Venable? It is. I, I think it is, yeah. It is Will Venable. And, like, are you kidding me? That's what's going to fire up this team? You call sports radio to demand – the what are you doing on a Wednesday in the morning that allows you, or what are you not doing that allows you to call sports radio? It's like, you know, you come from the party to shut up and dribble. Like, what are you talking about, man? Stay in your own lane here. I am calling and just demanding that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If they fired Cora at this point, this team probably would lose what 70% of their games. Every single vet would quit. 
I don't know. It was the I saw it this morning. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Is it, is this a real article? It was. I, I couldn't believe it took the time out of his day to do that. Job. I was. I know Andrew said that his was going to be out of left field, but I wasn't expecting this. Uh, so I don't have anything prepared. But my thinking is this, and I I love sports radio. I know Jason calls sports radio frequently. Uh, he's Jason from Canton. If anybody's listening to uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub in the middle of a day on a Tuesday. But that's not your place as, as the governor. Um, beyond that, it's a stupid take. It's a stupid take. Andrew's right. The only reason the veterans are even still in remotely engaged in this team is Alex Cora. And I know Terry... You and I, we, we don't know that Cora is long for, for Boston. We have different opinions as to why that might be. But the one thing you cannot judge Cora for is lackluster play from this team currently. There, there's no other buttons he can press. Like we mentioned with Sanchez, it's the fifth, sixth, seventh guy on the depth chart that he's having to pencil in every day because of injuries and because Bloom didn't give him a lot of options. It's if anything, upsetting to hear that from any Sox fans. Cora is as upset as anybody that Vasquez is gone. We know that Xander Bogarts had a little bit of a depressive episode, right? He's very upset. His best buddy got traded. He knows that he's going to go sign a mega deal somewhere else, but he feels like they gave up on this team. This is back-to-back years now where the, the team hasn't given the players the opinion that they're invested in, that the team is invested in them. Last year, Cora pressed the button that was, well, they don't want to invest in us. Let's let's win anyway. I don't know if that works two years in a row, but he's sure as hell trying. You can't fire Cora uh, at this point in the season, or you might as well give away all the veterans and go full youth movement. I've got the quote right here. Um, so Sununu on WEI, which is the Greg Hill show, which might be the worst show in Boston – sports radio right now does that really even count as boston sports radio Jeez, <laughs> i i i don't blame them for getting rid of minahan i was never a fan of his but i mean man they couldn't do anything better than um greg hill but anyway here's the quote uh governor sununu uh says i think it starts at the top i think cora's got to go i do I personally just don't like the way he's using pitchers. There's no motivation on that team. There's a morale problem on that team. If you have a morale problem, you've got to start at the top. You just do. He goes on to say, if you get that energy, that fire, you get things working in the right direction. You can actually get ownership to start maybe not spending 23 hours per day paying attention to Liverpool. Let's maybe start paying attention to Boston. This is the real core of the John Henry product and start getting them to make the investments that need to be made here. Is so, he up for re-election? That sounds like a re-election, a re-election campaign speech. Right? <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I'm a conservative and I'm not out here, you know, screaming for Cora to be fired, even though he sat Bogarts and Martinez at, points this series but um but yeah he's a three-term governor i I don't know how that works in new hampshire if there's term limits or not um but 
I mean, Cora's not going anywhere, probably not uh, this year at this point. I mean, you, you do see the team starting to to rally, uh, you know, back. Uh, Xander's a little butthurt right now, but uh, JD seems to be, his spirits are up. Evaldi's grinding like you're hoping he would. And um, I think you're going to see Tommy Pham keep his nose clean under an Alex Cora-led team. Uh, so we'll see. That's interesting. I, I saw Sununu's name floating around Twitter, but I was I was on the road all day, so I, d- I didn't know exactly why um, he was trending. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, interesting uh, take, though. Uh, let's see. I'm going to switch up my, my dud. I was going to go with Caleb Ort, who might be the worst reliever we've seen this year. And I'm just going to go with Rich Hill. Um and we all love Rich Hill, but and it just looks like they've milked the last little bit of, of what he has left. I mean, he's probably still a better option than going to a bullpen game, but it just doesn't look like he's going to contribute much going down the stretch. And you, you got Waka coming back, so... I don't know if that could relegate Hill to a relief role, which I'm not sure really translates well, um, you know, for, you know, just being a, a curveball heavy pitcher like like he is at this point in his career. But I don't know if he's still on the roster here by the time September comes around. I think he's absolutely on the roster. I I understand where you're coming from, Terry, but – there's just too many question marks with this team that if somebody is even remotely healthy, you need him on the on the roster because there's not enough arms, frankly, that are healthy enough to give you innings. Rich Hill, no matter what he's able to give you for quality, he'll go out there and give you innings. Um, and that's... So are you, this point, are you saying as for. a starter or, or a long reliever? You know, he's either your mop-up guy or he's your opener. I don't think he's a starter, okay. but he might be able to give you, you know, six hitters, nine hitters, um, whether that's three innings or whether that's nine hitters. Um, I don't know, but he can only give you one time through the lineup at this point in his career. I think that's become pretty clear. And uh, they're probably going to piggyback him and someone else the way they tried to do today with Bayo, what they were doing earlier in the season with Whitlock or, or Hauk, um, there's going to be some someone to take that role. I don't know yet who it's going to be. It's probably Winkowski. Well, I mean, you've got Waka who's going to go at least five, Pavetta five to seven, Cutter Crawford five to seven, Nathan Avaldi five to seven. Um, the jury's still out on Winkowski. He is coming And then off probably of Hill and Winkowski probably go, you know, in a piggyback situation. Um, with Paxton in the bullpen, or if Paxton is healthy, then you relegate, you know, Rich Hill to the mop-up role in the bullpen, or the sixth-inning guy in the bullpen. I just don't know if you really want Rich Hill pitching meaningful innings out of the bullpen. It's more like we're down six runs. We need somebody to go get 12 outs. I mean, he was getting slapped around right from the start. I mean, the first two batters of the game, you know, Altuve with a single, Pena with a double, um, Bregman got the um, got the scoring started with the sack fly, but um, it's just even for one inning, it's just 
if if teams are sitting on him, I just it's hard to imagine he's not going to get slapped around. But I like him. I, I hope he I hope he finds an effective role. I'm not rooting against him by any means. But uh, Andrew, thoughts on Hill? Yeah, you know, I actually like the strategy of bouncing Bayo out of the starting role, similar to what they did last time out with Austin Davis, and it worked out really well. Um, obviously, the goal was to, you know, pretty much try to get through the game without using the bullpen. Unfortunately, it being Rich Hill's first game back did not go as planned. Um, I could imagine if Bayo's healthy and doesn't miss a start, that they could try this one more time and hopefully, you know, Hill's got the rust knocked off of himself, but in theory it works. If he can give you three innings, four innings, I think that was the original plan today. And then Bayo can give you four or five. I mean, that that's a day off for Schreiber. That's a day off for Whitlock. That's a day off for Hauk. Uh, I, that, you know, that, that's a very good strategy. It worked well, like I said last time with Austin Davis if it doesn't work with Hill next time, maybe it is Davis back to that spot because Davis looked pretty comfortable doing it, quite frankly. Um, it didn't look to rattle him. I think he's one of those guys that can really tell him, hey, man, just go out there. Here's the role we're throwing you out there today. And he can kind of just mold into that whatever you know kind of picture you need. But I don't know. I, I like the strategy. Execution, unfortunately, just wasn't there tonight. Yeah, and Bayo really seems to be settling in nicely with the middle relief role. So uh, I'm hoping that his, the groin strain is just minor, and uh, you know he's back at some point this weekend. Um, and Davis is finally starting to be used in in higher leverage too. It just always seemed like if he wasn't opening, he was always coming into games when we were way behind, and I, I always thought they were wasting him by doing that. So, uh, all right, let's, uh, go ahead and get the pitching matchups. I'm pulling them up right now. You'd think I'd be on it. Uh, so game one in Kansas city, we've got Nick Pavetta versus Chris Bubik. Bubik. I don't know. He's, uh, he's got a five point, uh, four five ERA. And uh, I think he might have got knocked around. Uh, no, he pitched pretty well against the Yankees. Six innings, uh, only three earned. Actually, he's been pitching pretty well lately. So maybe we're catching him at the wrong time. Uh, Bubik had a seven-inning outing against Tampa, only giving up two runs. Uh, start before that against Toronto, impressively. Seven innings again, zero earned runs. Uh, so could be a guy that, that gives us fits despite, uh, what his numbers look like on paper and who really knows with Nick Pavetta, but, uh, Job, how do you have game one going? Well, I really like Bubich. I think he's really underrated because he's in a, a bad market. Um, he reminds me a lot of Jordan Montgomery actually. Um, also similar reminds me of Andrew Heaney, similar type pitchers. Um, I th I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think Pavetta gets it done, but it's going to be close. Andrew? If you go to Bubich's baseball savant page, it's bluer than the Atlantic. Uh, I think the Red Sox can fully take advantage of him. They tend to knock up lefties. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's literally one of the worst at hard-hit percentage, worst at uh, – 
exit velocity. No, he's the worst at chase rate, which has been this team's issue in the past. Um, I think we might see a better than usual uh, offensive output from them. And I'm actually very interested on how they come out because management flew out to meet the team, uh, mainly Bloom. I don't know if um, the GM, Brian, was it O'Halloran, went out today as well. And they're going to travel with the team throughout the weekend and just have an open door policy. So I think a lot of uh, nerves are going to be put at ease. So I think we're going to see a pretty good team this weekend. Maybe they'll, uh, you know, talk to Devers a little bit about his future plans. Did I just hear you say though, that uh, he's an easy guy to knock up? Oh no, he knocks up lefties. (laughs) Just thought that was cute. Uh, I I got the Red Sox winning that one as well. Game two, a TBD start for the Red Sox against Zach Grinke. I think it's probably going to be Winkowski in that start, but maybe they'll just go with an Austin Davis opener situation. Who knows? Uh, Zach Grinke has pitched okay. Uh, He doesn't pitch a ton of innings anymore, but five innings against the Yankees, just three earned runs in his last start. Five innings against the Angels, zero earned runs in that one. That was a pretty good performance. And then against the Blue Jays, only lasted four innings. Uh, Gave up three runs, but slapped around with eight hits. So uh, I think if the Red Sox are patient uh, with Grinke, they could probably, um, you know, have some runners on the bases and and score some runs. But, Job, how do you – see that one going assuming it's either Winkowski or Davis I think this one is a you know if you're a betting person bet the over Uh, I think Granke's got nothing left in the tank Um, he's purely pitching pitching for the joy of the game at this point he is their Rich Hill Um, I just don't know depending on who we pitch I feel really good if it's Davis I don't feel so good if it's Winkowski I think the Red Sox probably win this one but I'm I'm skeptical every time that I say the Red Sox win two in a row, they lose both games. So um, take my opinion with a grain of salt right now. I can see Granky striking out the side in the first and then lining up like six runs in the innings, two and three. I, I It's fun for the fans that Zach Granky's back there, like, what is it, 18 years later? But I it, it's more of a, you know, sideshow at this point. I'll take the Red Sox in that game as well. Um, game three, we got Nathan Avaldi versus Daniel Lynch. I'll admit it right now. I've never heard of Daniel Lynch. Um, last three outings, he's actually pitched pretty well himself. Um, five and one-thirds innings against the Chicago White Sox. Did not give up a run in that outing. And uh, against Toronto, I guess it was a little dicey. Three and two-thirds gave up three earned runs on six hits. And then four innings pitched against the Tigers gave up two runs on six hits. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be unanimous on this one. But, Job, go ahead. Sox are winning game three. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what motivation does this Kansas City Royals team have honestly at this point they saw their two of their three best players 
traded. I mean, it'll be fun to watch Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez, but you know, this team, they really have no real reason to do anything other than go, you know, just through the motions at this point. They sent their goat to New York too. Um, yeah, I'll take Gavaldi uh, in that one. And then finally on Sunday, that is a 2.10 p.m. Eastern start. Cutter Crawford, who has his ERA down to 3.86, by the way. Um, he's going to be facing Brad Keller. And let's see, Keller has, uh, ooh, he got tuned up bad against the White Sox. Five and two-thirds, gave up eight runs on 13 hits. Uh, ouchie. So that's the game he's coming off of. Uh, had a decent start against the Angels uh, prior to that. Six innings pitched, only gave up three runs, and then kind of got slapped around by Tampa Bay uh, over four innings, uh, gave up four runs on that one think we'll probably be unanimous with this one, but go ahead, Job. I, I can't believe we're doing it based on how this team has performed all season, but we're calling for a four-game sweep here. Andrew? Uh, no, I got Zach. I can't pick a four-game sweep on a getaway day with, you know, Atlanta. It, you know, you're seeing them coming into town. You're getting amped up for that series. You're looking to forward to going home after a you know a week long road trip. I think it's a uh, one of those weird outings that you know they lose like seven to one or something stupid. I think Eric Hosmer is just going to rake against his old <laughs> team. So I, I hope. I'm gonna I'm pay, taking the Sox uh, in four. Like Job, I did pick a four-game sweep accurately uh, not too long ago, but I, I it was a loss. I picked them to lose all four games to the Rays, which unfortunately happened. But uh, I, I got them winning four here. Uh, Brad Keller's uh, official MLB picture eerily looks a lot like Josh Beckett. Throwing it out there. He's not going to pitch like him. We know that. But, um, but yeah. So anyway, I guess we will wrap on that. And then tomorrow for the Friday episode, we will finally release the Hot Take Tuesday uh, episode recorded earlier in the week. Um, it just got busy with the trade deadline coverage, so we uh, kept delaying it. So we'll, we'll get that out. It was a pretty entertaining show. A lot of uh, – there, there was obviously some baseball talk in that one, but there was some um, – there was some fast, well, restaurant debates. Let me ask you guys before we go real quick, just super quick. Do you prefer Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings? If you, if you had to go to one, which one are you going to? If I had to go to one, I'm going to Applebee's. Oh, man. As an anti-chain guy, I, um, this is torture, but I would definitely go B-dubs on that. Okay, so Andrew agrees with me. I was <laughs> I was in the minority on that show, but we had a nice little debate about it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't go to a ton of chains either. There are, there are a few, we went to Longhorns the other night, but I mean, you can't really go wrong with a, with a steak there. Or at least I, I've never had a bad one. Uh, so anyway, uh, we will wrap on that. Everybody have a good Thursday. Take care.